the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. When race trumps merit, when race trumps merit, that is the title of a new book by Heather McDonald, a best-selling author, an essayist, a lecturer. She has a remarkable collection of books. Her most recent, When Race Trumps Merit. Sounds to me like what she's getting at there is that sometimes we're willing to say, you know what, merit's not that important as long as we're diverse enough. She's going to come on and tell us exactly what she means, and that's next. It's time for the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Maybe you've heard of Glenn C. Lowry. Um, if not, he's a professor at the School of Social Sciences at Brown University, and he writes, Heather McDonald has done it again. Her new book, When Race Trumps Merit, is a fact-filled, eloquent, and passionate critique of the drift toward relativism and mediocrity that is being visited upon us by progressive elites in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is an important, persuasive, and morally righteous gerrymand that deserves to be widely read. That's high praise coming from Glenn Lowry. Those of you who know, you know Glenn Lowry. And if you don't, I encourage you to look him up, find out what he's all about, because that is really high praise for this book. I'm excited to talk to Heather McDonald about it next. I'm also excited to tell you about my biggest summer secret to a great glowing summer complexion. It's a lot more than staying hydrated and using sun protection like SPF. It's having great skincare products from our good friends at Genucel. Sun, humidity, dehydrated skin covered with dark uh, spots and even puffier bags under the eyes. Look, those things are a problem for all of us, but thankfully, Genucel has the solutions. Introducing Genucel's beautifully curated Summer Essentials Package. That's right. This is a limited edition package, including Genucel's one-of-a-kind Ultra Retinol Super Moisturizer that uses a powerful plant extract alternative to retinol, so there are no harsh side effects it's perfectly safe to use in the summer sun. Plus, you'll get Genucel's classic skincare therapy for under eye bags and puffiness and concentrated vitamin C serum. I love this stuff to nourish your skin for a visibly clear complexion with a glow that will get you compliments everywhere you go this summer. Go to Genucel.com slash Michelle right now and get your Genucel Summer Essentials Package just for the summer. Every subscription order includes a customized summer spa gift absolutely free. Order now and every summer package includes Genucel's immediate effects, also free. And with immediate effects, results are guaranteed in 12 hours or less or your money back. What have you got to lose? Don't wait. Genucel.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle with one L. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Genucel.com slash Michelle, lest you forget. Heather McDonald is next. Heather McDonald, welcome. You have such a, a large following that I assume most of my viewers and listeners know who you are, but you've written a number of books and your most recent is, is getting lots of acclaim from some very smart people. When Race Trumps Merit. 
What motivated this book? Well, thank you so much for having me on, Michelle. It's a real privilege to be with you. A combination of rage and sorrow, a sorrow that the things that I love, that I care most about in our civilization are being torn down by a specious, phony charge uh, that Western civilization is racist and rage that people are getting away with this. Uh, I am stunned by the cowardice among our leading voices of professional expertise, whether it's in science, medicine, policing, uh, art, music, all are groveling before the race hustle and are selling out the traditions that are their privilege to curate uh, in order to virtue signal in, in service of what is really a destructive lie. You're not saying that, there, that racism doesn't exist. Well, I'm saying that it is not now the main explanation for racial disparities in our world. It is not, Michelle. Okay. I'm going to say something very controversial now. As, as horrible and sickening as America's history was, we were an apartheid state. Uh, we were absolutely a white supremacist state. We lived in constant denial about the outrageous contradiction between our practices and our stated ideals at the same time that we were lecturing the rest of the world about America's foundational commitment to equality. That is a reality. I acknowledge that reality without any reservation. But here's the, here's the reality today, Michelle. It is not white privilege, it is black privilege. There is not a single mainstream institution in this country. You know it yourself coming out of the media world, but this is true with regards to medical schools, law schools, law firms, banks, corporations that are not twisting themselves into knots to hire and promote as many black applicants and employees as possible. I do not know of a single black college senior, um, excuse me, high school senior applying to college who would think of putting down his race as white. Why? Because he knows that as a black applicant to college, he enjoys massive preferences over his white and Asian peers. Black students are being admitted to colleges, to law schools, to medical schools, to business schools, with test scores, objective, you know, non-racial, colorblind test scores that would be automatically disqualifying if presented by white and Asian applicants. So are there individuals out there that, that bear racial animus against blacks? Yes. Are there blacks who bear racial animus against whites? Absolutely. Is that the reality of our world today? in any significant fashion, Michelle, I submit that it is not. That's fascinating. And I know you have the data to back up all those college admissions numbers you've just been talking about. I've seen that data myself, and it is pretty astonishing. And I, I know a bunch of kids right now, my my son and his friends who are thinking about colleges and applying to colleges, and and they are aware of the reality that, that they are no longer, um, they, they will also be judged by the color of their skin. 
and uh, the fact that it is it is white. So it's this notion of being white and male and applying to college is is kind of detrimental right now um, in this day and age. Why? What, how did this get so out of hand? Because we had affirmative action. And of course, that's now being decided in the Supreme Court, whether or not that's going to stand. Many people will say, we don't need that anymore. Um, how did this get so out of hand? Well, first, Michelle, if I could just backtrack and respond to your absolutely compelling and important and necessary observations about uh, your son and his white male friends. This is what's so bizarre about our world. Students know this. They know the odds. They all compare their SATs. They see who's getting rejected from every competitive school and who's getting admitted to every competitive school again with SATs that would be automatically disqualifying if presented by whites. I can tell you this is going on at an even greater rate at medical schools, something I think every American should be worried about, that we are promoting, we are admitting and promoting uh, students that are not competitively qualified for those medical school environments, and then they get promoted throughout the profession. We are tearing down uh, standards of medical licensing because they have a disparate impact on black medical students. And yet, we're all supposed to pretend that racial preferences don't exist. If you're on a college campus and you say anything about the existence of racial preferences and the fact that it produces a very large uh, disparity in, in academic success, you're not helping anybody by, by introducing him into a school for which he's not competitively qualified. You wouldn't help me by admitting me to MIT on a gender preference if I had math SATs of 650 right. and my peers all had near perfect scores of 800, I would flounder. Mm -hmm. I would be at a disadvantage. Well, that's what happens to, to black racial preference beneficiaries. But we're all supposed to pretend that this is not going on. And I just wonder how much longer white males are going to put up with it. I'm told all the time about sons and grandsons who were rejected from every single medical school despite having near-perfect medical college admissions tests, MCATs. We are destroying our scientific progress, we're destroying our medical progress, and we are introducing inevitable medical negligence into the system. How did we get here? Uh, we got here through I think increasing despair on the part of elites that racial disparities are not closing and the only allowable explanation for the ongoing racial disparities in income, in prison populations, the only allowable explanation according to the left is systemic racism. And it got worse after the George Floyd race riots, the mass psychosis that took over this country following the George Floyd incident, when you had every single elite institution declaring itself racist, declaring its own employees racist. Again, Michelle, lies, lies. The reason we do not have proportional representation in a oncology research lab, in an Alzheimer's research lab, at Google, at big tech, are facts like these, Michelle. And I'm gonna give a trigger warning to your viewers because these are facts that Americans of goodwill turn their eyes away from and do not want to discuss. But unless we bring these facts into the open, 
We're going to continue tearing down our institutions under this phony charge of racism. Here are the relevant facts, Michelle. 66% of black 12th graders do not possess even partial mastery of basic 12th grade math skills defined as doing arithmetic and reading a graph. 8% of black 12th graders are proficient in 12th grade math skills. And the number of black 12th graders who are advanced in 12th grade math is too small to show up statistically. So to turn around and say that that a, a high-tech a artificial intelligence lab doesn't have 13% black physicists or mathematicians working there, 13% being the black national population, when you have academic skills gaps of that size is simply fanciful. It is a calumny. It is not the proper explanation. So that's, I think, what's gone on is that the skills gaps have not closed. We're terrified they won't close. We're not allowed to talk about family We're not culture. To talk about it, yeah. I think that's the worst part. You mentioned when are when are white men going to say enough? At at their peril, they'd say it, you know, because then that leads to cancellation, being called a bigot, being called a white supremacist, being called every name in the book, yep. and so uh, that's why I think ideas like this, the, the, your fact laden book. Uh, when race trumps merit is so important. I, it, people don't want to see numbers for some reason. I, I want to read this one thing. The concept of disparate impact is destroying America's core institutions in the name of fighting invented racism. What is the concept of disparate impact? Michelle, the disparate impact concept is that if there's any kind of, say, academic standard that is colorblind, objective, neutral. If, if blacks do more poorly on that academic standard, we say that the standard has a disparate impact on blacks. And we then say that is a racist standard and we need to get rid of it. Okay. Uh, we've seen this for decades. If people have been paying attention with police hiring exams or firefighter hiding, hiring exams, there's been for decades lawsuits brought uh, by on the on behalf of black applicants to be on a fire department or police department who say that simply because a neutral colorblind test that say asks for eighth grade reading skills so that a firefighter can understand the chemical instructions in the firefighting chemicals he's using or because so that a police officer can read the patrol guide and understand when he is allowed to make a car stop and when he is not allowed to make a car stop. If blacks score poorly on that eighth grade test of reading skills, then we say we have to throw out the test not because it has a disparate impact on blacks. And we are doing that now across the board. As I say, we're doing it with medical licensing exam. We're going to get rid of the LSATs. Mm. Uh, bar associations are lowering the scores for passing the bar because the bar exam has a very big disparate impact on black uh, law graduates. Uh, and that is not the way to go to reduce racial disparities in our country, Michelle. The way to reduce racial disparities is to raise academic skills, 
not lower standards. I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. I, I am tired of people saying, well, because not everyone can clear this bar, we should just lower the bar. That, yep. that That's the solution. Instead of saying, what are we doing wrong here that these kids aren't clearing this bar? Because at one point, we thought this bar was the right bar. And we know intellectually and commonsensically that the, the standard should be here. So what are we doing to improve getting those kids over that, that standard? Uh, you've mentioned, you know, who's going to stand up to this. I, I, I'm stuttering here because I have so much going on in my brain. I mm. wonder when the black community is going to stand up to this. And there are certainly many who are. Um, we had Bob, Robert Woodson, Bob Woodson on the show earlier this week. Uh, from the Woodson Foundation and the 1776 Unity Project. And uh, he is um, remarkable and he believes it's lethal. He said the lethality of white guilt to yeah. you're telling people that they have an excuse to fail instead of giving them hope to succeed. And he, he put it far more eloquently than I just did. But that's that's basically what these elites, and I, I do believe it's the elites, are saying, gosh, we feel so bad that you can't clear this bar for whatever reason. It must be racism. It's got to be systemic racism. So let's get rid of the bar or let's drop the bar. And, and, and therefore, you're then diluting this talent pool with people that aren't capable of even crossing that bar, what what are you going to give them next? It's it's just setting them up to fail, and I think it's so wrong. I'm just laughing, Michelle, because you are articulating things that I've been trying to say, but much more articulately than I have. Oh, so, I doubt I, that, Heather. I doubt that. <laughs> no, no, I, I basically have nothing to add. Why don't we just put you on an endless loop and get your viewers to hear that? <laughs> what you just said. I agree with everything, and you and you said two things. You did blame the white elites, and that's true. And as I say, I think they're terrified that the skills gap is not going to close, and they don't want to consider culture. They sure as hell don't want to consider heritability. But you also said something which is much more controversial and much more courageous, uh, which is to say there's also a failure of black leadership here. And you have said something that is almost verbatim what I have said, which is that I am so sick and tired of hearing these self-appointed black leaders demand that the, the standard be lowered uh, to blacks rather than saying to their alleged constituents, we will meet the standard. We will not just meet the standard. We will beat you all mm -hmm. at your own game. I am sick of that demand. It is completely self-defeating, as you say. And uh, meanwhile, you know, poor Asians are being asked to squeeze through an ever-shrinking uh, window of opportunity to get into medical schools or, or physics uh, PhD programs, they're getting better and better. They're whooping everybody else's ass kidding, yeah. because, because they are saying, okay, you keep raising the bar, we will meet it. Uh, that is the message that has to be sent. And I'll also add something that is equally controversial. I get asked audit all the time by audiences, Michelle, well, what can we do uh, to close the, the skills gap? And I'm going to speak honestly here. At this point, Michelle, I don't think there's a whole lot more that so-called we can do. We've been trying, we as a society have been trying to close the skills gap for decades now. We've spent trillions of dollars trying to do it. 
at this point, the change has to come overwhelmingly from within that culture. It has to jettison the stigma against allegedly acting white, which is defined as doing your homework, going to school, not running with gangs, not doing drugs, waiting till you're married to have children. Uh, as long as, as black kids are, are vilified by their peers and often sadly by their parents, if they put out academic effort, there's nothing, there's no amount of more redistribution of school funding and, and inner city schools are most often funded at massively higher per capita rates than suburban schools. There's not a whole lot that the system can do. You can't learn if you're not in school and you're not taking your textbooks home and you're not studying for an exam. Black truancy rates are in some studies in California at least four times higher than white truancy rates. They're much higher than Asian truancy rates. Those are things that people have to solve themselves by engaging in some personal responsibility, deferred gratification, effort, impulse control, and moving towards a future goal. It seems as though, um, yeah, I... I I wonder, based on what you just said, I feel as though I've spoken to a lot of black conservatives on this show who who agree with what you just said, who and want and are instilling this in their kids and in their communities to the best that they can, to the the extent, the best extent that they can. Um, do you see it? Turning at all, like the, is the, is the fact that books like yours and others that are bringing awareness to this and kind of shaking people and saying, look, look at what's going on. This is, this is something that is solvable. If you want to decide to solve it from within, do you see any sea change there? Or is it, uh, because I, I mean, you wrote the book, so I got to believe you still have a little hope. Well, um, I can be pessimistic and still feel like I've got to stand up for things that I believe in because I, I, it, as I say, it, I, I'm, I'm in a state of, of daily anger and just yeah. a sense of sorrow. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I think that there are some hopeful signs, as you say. There's, there's many black conservatives. You, I would add Shelby Steele, who also talked about white Amen. guilt. There's a guy out in yep. Minnesota named Kendall Quarles, who's very, who's very a good powerful. friend of mine. Yes. Oh, good. Yes. I love him. Family responsible. We've actually never met, so you're closer to him than I am. Um, and I would also say that I'm, I'm frankly chagrined that I didn't uh, come up with some of the solutions that some of our Republican governors, like Ron DeSantis, are introducing uh, to get rid of, to the extent they can this completely unnecessary bureaucracy of racial grievance, the diversity, equity, inclusion bureaucracy in public colleges and and saying you can't have diversity, racial preference, fealty oaths in order to get hired. So there are there is more pushback happening over the last year or so against the phony narrative of ubiquitous white supremacy than I've seen in a very long time. And I would just hope that people within science that are participating in really the greatest accomplishment of Western civilization, which is the scientific method, the patient pushing back of ignorance and the opening up of knowledge that has given us a standard of living, miracles like electricity, running water, 
elevators, buildings, you know, uh, high-rise buildings, warmth when you want to be warm, that were unthinkable 200 years ago, that the scientists and the doctors get some courage and start standing up for your profession. The AMA is a scandal. The American Physics Association is a scandal. The American Pediatrics Association, scandal. They have to start standing up for standards, common sense, uh, and, and stop caving in to the phony racism charge. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uh, It's, I, I, I feel your passion on this. You're articulating what so many people really are feeling on a day-to-day basis and, t- you know, tearing your hair out because these mm-hmm. messages of, of, oh, you can't, you can't succeed. This whole Joy Behar, Sonny Hostin approach to Tim Scott, you know, that, oh, he's from that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, group. Oh God, heaven forbid. I mean, you know, look, I'm from a Hispanic family. That's what I was taught my entire life. All four, mm-hmm. my, my siblings and I were taught our entire lives is to no matter what, you're on your own out here pull yourself up by your bootstraps nothing wrong with that and that made us work hard and want to scale the 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 hurdles that were in front of us and so this notion that someone like tim scott is such an exception uh and that this it's impossible why would you put yourself out there as something that can be replicated well for god's sakes it's so obvious to me how stupid an argument that is and how demeaning that argument is and how just easily it is to say, Oh, you know what? No, you can't be like Tim Scott because, because systemic racism is just too big for you to, for you to overcome. I, I, I really hope it's it's almost a caricature watching that kind of commentary. It's almost like a, a Saturday night live skit. And I hope that people are seeing through it. how, how much do you think that they are, Heather? <laughs> I think they are. You know, I sometimes wonder what is the audience for some of the dissidents out there like yourself, like Jordan Peterson, like Ben Shapiro, and is there a way to harvest them? Uh, but again, I mean, every high school student knows about the race hustle in academic admissions, uh, and and yet they just swallow their their knowledge and, and go on and pretend that everybody's being admitted on a fair basis. They're not. There's nothing more unfair than college admissions. Uh, and you're absolutely right. There's this codependency, you know, to, to keep keep them down on the plantation. The elite whites get to feel like they're so virtuous by exerting 
by uh, extending noblesse oblige yeah. to their little, as, as was said by one of the admissions officers in the University of Virginia or University of North Carolina uh, case that's coming up that we'll just get our, our decision pretty soon from the, the, um, from the uh, Supreme Court. It was appalling listening to these admissions officers who talked about their little brown people and that, well, this little brown person won't qualify for a scholarship under this program, but we can maybe massage our standards low enough in order to qualify this little brown person for that. It's just amazing. These people, they are so condescending. And at the same time, the black hustlers uh, that know that there is enormous power in, in claiming victimhood, in claiming that you have to give us more handouts, uh, more double standards, more preferential treatment. And so it's a symbiotic relationship that is now, it's not just hurting blacks, you know, it is hurting blacks by, by removing from them the, the perfectly acceptable, legitimate goad of competition and saying you don't have to compete. But it is also hurting all of us because you cannot lower standards in engineering in, in mere bureaucracy, like try getting through on a, a you know, customer call, we are, our, our institutions are going to become more and more mediocre because we're putting mediocrities into them and we are going to move towards a third world culture unless we start unapologetically defending excellence as something that is not racist. That's, that's it in a nutshell, defending excellence as something that is not racist. Excellence if you think excellence is racist, look at all the excellent people of color in the world and tell me why they were able to become excellent if excellence is racist. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's absurd. It's absurd. And just to keep saying, well, they're the exception and the rest of us are the rule. And it, I, I, you know, I, oh. Heather, it's... I would say, like, even let's let's just concede for the sake of argument, it's BS. But let's just let's say they're an exception. We always hear about how about you need a role model. Well, make them no longer the exception. You know, strive to to meet them. Right. Don't say that oh they're just some sort of weird genetic aberrant or something. <laughs> no, follow their lead. I mean, yeah. I frankly hate the role model argument, Michelle, like, I don't believe I need a female in order to accomplishment, accomplish something. If I want to be a physicist, let's say I want Albert Einstein as my role model. But if you got to have role models, which again, is a, it's a sort of a, a vicious cycle, because if you don't have one of your particular gonads and melanin type, then how do you ever break into a world? But if you need role models, use them as your role models and, and, and follow in their footsteps, for God's sakes. Yep. And uh, I can say that Bob Costas and Al Michaels were a couple of my role models when I was, as it was Robin Roberts, by the way, a black woman, a gay black woman who is now the main host on Good Morning America. But I suppose she's just an exception. I love Robin. Robin, I adore you. And you were one of my role models. And so um, she didn't necessarily look like me, but I I wanted to be excellent like her. And exactly. so, you know, I... Here, here's I'll read one more sentence, uh, uh, this highlight that came out from from your book. Racial disparities in outcomes are overwhelmingly the result of measurable differences in achievement and behavior, not the result of racism. So it's achievement and behavior that can be altered in order to clear hurdles 
that we want to clear. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, like you, I'm so tired of this belittling of a whole class of people telling them that they can't achieve what they're perfectly capable of achieving uh, because of something that had started 400 years ago. I suppose that's the excuse, right? That it, 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 it 1619 project, it started then and it's never ended. Yeah, but again, at this point, there's nothing that the external world can do. The change has to come from within. You cannot, I cannot make that black student take his textbook home to study. The mother has to do that. And if he doesn't take his textbook home to study, he's not going to be able to compete to get into medical school on an equal basis. He's going to need preferences for the rest of his life. So, yes, as I say, uh, slavery was bad, and I would say that Jim Crow was worse. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, the history of of Americans' contempt, gratuitous cruelty towards blacks post Civil War is the most heartbreaking. But we are not that country today, Michelle. We simply are not. As as in, impossible as it would have been to believe, seventy years ago, we have completely turned ourselves upside down and are just the opposite of what we once were. So again, the solution has got to be personal effort and personal achievement uh, and and not making excuses and, and continuing to play the victim card. At some point, we have to say we're not we're not going along with the race hustle any longer. And the you mentioned behavior, Michelle, that applies as well for the criminal law. Everything if if your if your viewers are sort of scratching their head and saying what the heck is going on in the criminal justice system today? Why are all these progressive prosecutors not prosecuting trespass and theft and turnstile jumping and resisting arrest, disorderly conduct, uh, you know, shoplifting? What is going on? Like everything else in our world today, Michelle, it's all about race. It's all about disparate impact because if we do enforce the law in a colorblind, constitutional, fair, objective manner, we will have a disparate impact on black criminals, not because the law is racist, but because blacks commit crime at such higher rates. Uh, in, in New York City, for example, blacks are about 22% of the city population. They commit upwards of about 75% of all shootings in the city. Uh, and if you add Hispanic shootings to black shootings, you account for virtually 100% of all shootings in New York City. Those disparities, we know, how do we know that blacks are committing about three quarters of all shootings in New York City from the victims of and witnesses to those shootings who are themselves overwhelmingly minority? This is not the so-called racist New York Police Department telling us this. This is the victims themselves. Those disparities exist across the board. After the George Floyd race riots, black juveniles were shot at 100 times the rate of white juveniles for the first 18 months, the data we have from the CDC. 100 times the rate. Who's killing them, Michelle? Not the police, not whites. If they were shot by whites, every single one of those shootings would be mainstream news, on NBC, on CNN, on ABC, on MSNBC, they're being killed by other blacks. Black juveniles commit gun violence at an equal disparity to whites. That is the behavior that has to change if we want to get rid of racial disparities in our prison population. 
not saying that we're not going to enforce the law because it has a disparate impact on black criminals means that black are victimized and they're gunned down in these tragic drive-by shootings. Black children by the dozens are getting gunned down in their beds, front yards, barbecues, in their, in their parents' cars. Their brains are being shot out. They're being paralyzed for life because we're not enforcing the law. Oh, I hate to end it on such a, a depressing note, but it, it, maybe that's the best impact we can have with this. Um, I, I, the book is, and I've read it, When Race Trumps Merit. It's excellent, uh, as is everything you write. Heather McDonald, you can find her book on Amazon or wherever wherever you buy your books. Um, it's worth the read. Heather, thank you so much for being so just, uh, I think you're a courageous writer because I don't think this stuff is easy to do. And uh, I'm, I'm certain that, that it's, I, w- I would imagine it's not necessarily easy to be the writer of these books when you, or is it, am I making that up? Well, it's certainly not easy when I go to college campuses and confront the student banshees. It's very discouraging to see the degree of irrationality that has taken over uh, young people today. And uh, I do realize that I'm breaking racial taboos and I I wish that I could abide by racial etiquette. I believe in racial etiquette. Uh, But at this point, Michelle, it's too late. It's too late for racial etiquette because the left is tearing everything down in the name of phony racial equity. And I'm just not going to put up with it any longer. So, yes, it's difficult, uh, but the facts are what they are. And I refuse to bury the truth when I see uh, our civilization being torn down and the things that I love being calumny, things like classical music, Western art, all being also accused of phony racism. I'm not going to stand for it. That's why she is brave and doing good. And that's what I always end the show with uh, this, this, I don't know, this request that everyone listening, just please be brave and do good like Heather McDonald. Thank you so much for joining us, Heather. Great conversation. Wonderful questions, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time, everyone. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.